It's time for the podcast that promises to catch you up on all the news and notes from the Seattle sports scene in 40 minutes or less. It's time for Rain City Sports. Okay, welcome back into Rain City Sports. I am your host, Jared Johnson. Uh, excited to be back for episode five of the podcast. Uh, today we're going to talk about the Mariners. Spring training still going on, but we're getting closer. Uh, some standouts, plus some injuries, um, and a few other things with the Mariners. And also we'll talk about the Seahawks as free agency is underway. Um, and I'll give you a few notes from the combine that I noticed from last week. Um, also, we'll go into a little bit uh, of college basketball. Um, Huskies, uh, how they're doing, and Gonzaga, as well as uh, a potential NCAA tournament challenge uh, coming up in the network. Um, so please stay tuned, and we'll get this going. Okay, so welcome back in. Um, I recorded this podcast actually already once, but um, I decided to re-record because things were happening so hot and heavy, so fast, um, that I couldn't keep up with them and I didn't want to just leave it out. So with that said, um, let's get into the Mariners. Uh, The Mariners spring training, uh, I think, officially wrapped up. And they are on their way to Japan right now. Um, they announced that Marco Gonzalez will start the opening game. And then Kakuchi, the J- Japanese pitcher, will start game two, which is pretty cool. Um, Felix will not be pitching in Japan, which isn't a surprise to me, but maybe to some people. Um, spring training uh, was, I, I feel like it was a pretty fun spring training uh it was fun to see all the young guys um a lot of a lot of young guys impressed me quite a bit made me excited for the future um among them are jared kelnick julio rodriguez kyle lewis jake fraley shed long Braden bishop justice sheffield and justin dunn all those guys like made me excited for the future of the mariners um hopefully with them on the team in the future, we'll we'll have a team that's competitive again. Um, that's not to say this year's team can't be competitive. You never know, but but I don't expect them to be super competitive um, on a for a World Series at least. Maybe they make some noise and they outperform and they can get in the playoff hunt. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't hold my breath on that, but still, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, some big news that happened. Uh, Kyle Seeger, uh, he's injured and uh, will be out for what I saw was mo- the whole month of April. But I've also seen eight to 10 weeks, which would make it more than just a month of April. So he's going to be out for a while, everything I've seen. Um, he, he had to have surgery on his left hand. Um, so I'm not really sure what it means exactly uh he's you know 
I don't know. I guess everybody says he's been in great shape this year and they were hoping for a bounce back season and he still can have that. It's just going to be delayed a little bit. So we'll see. Um, Malik Smith has also been injured for the last couple weeks in spring training. And uh, from what I've read about him, he will be more or less ready for when they come back to Seattle, um, but may not play because he needs to get warm, get game ready. So he'll price have a rehab Simon, you think, and then <clears throat> go in, come in in a couple weeks after that, I guess. Um, or maybe a week, I guess, after that. I wanted to mention Jay Bruce is having a great, he had a great spring. Uh, when I got the stats, which I think it was just a few days before the end of the spring training, he was 10 for 24 with batting 417 with two home runs uh, and was looking pretty good. Um, so, and as I've said many times, mostly I want these veterans to just build some value so that we can trade them for some prospects or young guys, just because I, you know, I, I see the value in the future at this point. So... We'll see how that goes going forward. Domingo Santana also had a great spring. He's a bit younger. I don't know. He's maybe a – he probably is the guy that they would keep around, hopefully. So, I mean, everything I've seen from him looks pretty good. He's a big guy, so that's kind of cool. Uh, big news was Felix was upset or maybe disappointed, I guess, that the, that the Mariners didn't name him as an opening day starter. Um my thoughts on that is I, um, I I hope that he actually wasn't that upset or if he is upset, it's just an upset as in, uh, you know, I expected it, but I didn't, but I'm not happy, I guess, about it or not. I'm not happy just, you know, because I think if Felix thinks anything other than that, he hasn't been good for the last two years, maybe even three years. And he's like delusional. Um, I've always heard things from Shannon Dreyer and other other Seattle sports people saying that he uh, he he doesn't take coaching really well, and he he thinks he's the king still, and he doesn't like take uh, he doesn't blame himself for things for pitching bad or anything. He just says, "Oh, I was off today." instead of like, you know, trying to find the actual solution to problems. Um, so I don't know if hopefully that's not his, hopefully he's not like that, but I mean, like I said, everything I've ever heard says that he is. Um, and if that's the case, he might be headed for a pretty sad, uh, sad exit from the Seattle Mariners. Um, I don't think they would keep him around I mean, if he doesn't pitch good, they probably won't keep him around all season anyways. But if he's causing trouble on top of it, then they won't keep him around. And and it's pretty sad because Felix Hernandez has been the Seattle Mariners for the last, you know, 10 years. He's been the icon of the Mariners. Um, he's He has given us a, everything. He stayed with us through everything, even when he could have probably – I don't know if he could have got more money, but he definitely could have had a better chance to win at other places. So, uh, you know, it's sad to see things turning in possibly a negative direction. Um, it seems to have been happening with Seattle athletes lately. I mean, if you look at the Seahawks and the LOB, um, but like I said, I hope that's not, hopefully it doesn't go that way. Hopefully it all 
kind of smooths over. He finishes his, the year, and then he goes away as a free agent instead. Um, he's still, no matter what, going to be loved, and he's going to be going to the Mariners Hall of Fame when he retires. And so uh, we'll have to see where it leads to, but that's my thoughts. Um, the rosters were announced. There was for the Japan series, and basically there was not really many surprises. Uh, Braden Bishop did make the team, um, which he had been playing really well in spring training, so it's not a shock to me. Plus, with Malik Smith being injured, it also you know made me made me believe that was probably likely. Um, Dustin Ackley was released, unfortunately, so his comeback tour is over. Sadly, I wanted to, him to be successful. Um, I was hoping, a bung hoping, so, uh, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen here. And he may not have, I don't know how many options he has left in other places, but uh, it's still it's sad to see him go. I'm sad to see him go, at least. <clears throat> so, moving on to the Seahawks. The Seahawks made some a bunch of moves, and they were the reason that I re-recorded this podcast for the most part, because things were happening so fast. Um, they re-signed Hakeem King, the safety slash cornerback. He is everything I've seen from him makes him he looks pretty good, um, or it looks like he has the potential to be pretty good. So I'm excited about that. Plus, they lost Justin Coleman, um, who was their nickel safety or nickel cornerback. Uh, to the Lions on a huge contract. Um, I think he's now the highest paid um, nickel cornerback in the NFL. But um, besides that, the Seahawks also re-signed K.J. Wright uh, and 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 right guard or left guard Fluker, um, along with Michael Kendricks, the linebacker who is um, scheduled to be sentenced for in, uh, insider trading. Um, so still don't know where that's going exactly, but I'm assuming there's some, you know, some, uh, language in the contract that wouldn't, you know, change things if he goes to jail for the whole season or whatever, because <clears throat> it's only a one year contract. KJ Wright is a two year fluke or was a two year, I think. And then they also signed Mike Iapati, who's a guard from, he used to be on Arizona. He was also on San Francisco. Um, and he was only a one-year deal, I believe. And then Jason Myers, the kicker for the Jets last year, and actually kicked for the Seahawks in spring or in training camp of last year, um, but was released, signed by the Jets, went to the Pro Bowl, and was very effective for the Jets, much better than our kicker, um, Janikowski. So... Anyways, we signed him to a four years, I think it's 16 million, so about 4 million a year, um, which, you know, for a team like the Seahawks, honestly, a really good kicker is a great thing. And um, we, we like to keep things close, and we, so kicking field goals matters, you know, more to us than maybe most teams. Um, I've also read some stats that he wasn't very good before last year. He played for the Jaguars, but also so he that he wasn't he was eighty one percent or something I think they said his career with the Jaguars, but there was diving deep, deeper into those stats. There were some people that tweeted out that like the majority of his misses were over fifty yards. Um, he he missed like 
he missed a lot of field goals over 50 yards, but under 50 yards, I think he was 89% or something for his career. So he was pretty good from inside 50 yards, a little more shaky outside 50 yards, which I feel like any kicker is pretty much a little shaky outside of 50 yards. So uh, among other news, J.R. Sweezy went to the Arizona Cardinals also, signed a contract there, so he is gone. Um, and then the one that really hit me hard was uh, Earl Thomas signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it's sad to see him go. I knew he was going, as I've said prior on this podcast. But uh, it's still as it hits now. And he sent a tweet out and said, you know, respect for Seattle and love you. Um, but it's it's hard to watch him go because he's a, he was, a, you know, he's a legend in Seattle and he will be you know, uh, in the, what, what is it called? The Hall of Fame for the Seahawks. I forget what it's called. Ring of Honor. That's what it is. Uh, he will be there when he retires also, um, similar to Felix Hernandez, um, with the Mariners, I guess. Um, so it was sad to see him go, although Baltimore, uh, it's one of the other teams that I actually like, so it's not the worst place, place for him to go. Um, defensive team, obviously, most of the time, although they've lost a lot of players this year. But anyways, um, Frank Clark uh, was franchised last week, as I mentioned, but uh, he was and he was super jacked about it on Twitter. But then uh, he ended up uh, kind of switching gears or um, in the last few days been like, oh, I'm going to skip mini camp. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sign my franchise tag. I want a long term deal. You know, those sort of things. And most people are saying it's probably his agent that like he is jacked because he was really like he was saying how happy he was on Twitter before for getting a huge raise, obviously. Um, And also for uh, he was like recruiting some free agents. Like I saw him tweeting out to free agents saying, come to Seattle. Let's make a beast team, basically. Um, And so. Uh, I think that it's all probably his agent. He'd probably show up, I think, um, if when free agency or when the season started or when spring training started or uh, training camp. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he has to put up, they have to put out a certain message to try to get a long term deal and try to get as much money as they can. Um, and with the 49ers trading for um, D Ford from the Kansas City Chiefs and giving him a big contract. They kind of uh, match up pretty well. So the parameters for a contract extension with Frank Clark is, you know, fairly similar to that. So hopefully that that helps things move a little faster Um, because before that there wasn't a lot of comparisons to be able to be made on where to be, where uh, his numbers should be. So... Hopefully that moves things in the right direction. Um, so free agency, some other big notes uh, throughout free agency was Landon Collins signed with the Redskins. Quan Alexander back went to the 49ers. Golden Tate to the Giants. Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. A couple of huge trades. Um, OBJ traded to the Browns for a first, a third, and Jabril Peppers from the Giants. Um, that's a huge trade, obviously. Um, it gives them uh, Landry and um, and o- OBJ, um, and so they're. I mean, the Browns look pretty beastly to me. Uh, 
I mean, it would be cool to watch them be good to me because they've been bad so long. Um, but we'll have to see as the, you know, what else they do. Um, also, the other news that happened actually prior to the OBJ trade was Antonio Brown was traded from the Steelers to the Raiders for a third, a fifth, and... Oh, actually, just a third and a fifth round pick. But the th- big thing to me is that the not only did the Steelers have to take a third and a fifth for him, which isn't a lot of value, they also had to take have to take a twenty one million dollar cap hit this year um, for trading him. So um, they wanted to get rid of this guy so bad that they they were willing to take a twenty one million dollar cap hit, which is the largest in the history of football for one player. For a single team so that just tells you that they, there are some things going down in pittsburgh that weren't good um so now he's on the raiders um he's john gruden's problem and we'll see how that goes uh he seems happy already you got a huge contract extension um which i think obj is ask is actually asking for a contract extension for the browns despite just getting a contract extension last offseason from the giants so i don't know what you're going to do with that <laughs> but uh a, little, a few news and notes also the draft is coming up april 25th um free agency is still going on uh it slowed down a little bit which is nice because uh it was going crazy there for a little while but with the draft coming up in april uh the seahawks currently hold uh a first a third and a fourth and a fifth is all picks wise but you can almost guarantee they're going to trade back to get more picks um they are a team that always likes to have eight to ten picks um eight to eleven picks somewhere in there so i would be shocked if they didn't trade back and get more picks uh there was some talk that they might try to trade frank clark for some picks I don't think that's going to happen. Nobody's going to offer them the amount. Um, I think D Ford only got a second round pick in his trade and he's pretty comparable in my book. Um, so, uh, I would, I mean, I would say, uh, don't expect that, but I mean, you never know. Like I said, I never would think that the Seahawks would have traded for Jimmy Graham, but they did. So, Let's move on to the Huskies. The UW Huskies men's basketball team is is in the NCAA or in the Pac-12 tournament. Take they take on Colorado tomorrow in the semifinals. They beat USC yesterday, I think, uh, and it was an ugly game from what I heard. Um, I didn't actually get to watch it, but uh, what I heard is they they scrapped it. They scrapped it together at the end and, and ended up winning, but. Uh, it was a tough, tough game. Um, the other big part of this was um, they needed a win, I feel like. They didn't – I mean, I guess I don't want to say they needed a win to get in the NCAA tournament, but it was a big – it was a big thing to have them have get a win. So they got the win. I think they're for sure in the NCAA tournament, um, and I think they can only improve their position by winning now has each win through the Pac-12 tournament um, which you know this is semifinal so there's only one more after this um, additionally um, Gonzaga uh, was cruising uh, doing really well until uh, day before yesterday when they lost to St. Mary's in the in the WCC finals Um However, I don't think it's going to affect them in the NCAA tournament. I still think they'll be a number one seed. 
maybe it wakes them up a little bit. They didn't play good at all. Um, I mean, I haven't watched many of their games, but but based on what I have seen, uh, it didn't look pretty. So, um, yeah, I just don't think uh, – I don't think it's, it's a big a deal as some people are making it out to be. So we'll see. Um, anyways, with that all said, um, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, it's time for the segment that's been sweeping the world. It's time to. This is okay, so this week's question uh, for the Pass It to the Homies segment was directed to Matt Vague of the Fairweather Friends podcast. And I decided after some thought, um, given that Earl Thomas had left, uh, it was pretty official that the LOB is gone. Um, sure, they still have Wagner and, and KG Wright, but most people consider the LOB to just be the, the defensive backfield, which was Chancellor Sherman and Earl Thomas. And with that, they uh, I, I decided to ask Matt, who had the biggest impact? Um, on the success of the LOB, who was the most contributing, I guess. Um, and so let's pass it over to Matt and see what he has to say. Thanks, Jared. So this is Vague of the uh, Fairweather Friends podcast. Uh, you asked who the most important Legion of Boom member is now that the Legion of Boom is dead. Well, first of all, I should preface with saying when I think of the Legion of Boom, I actually don't think of Brandon Browner as the fourth member, even though he was the original. He also wasn't there very long, though he did get a ring with us. I just have never thought of him as one of the members of Legion of Boom, even though he technically is. I always think of Bobby Wagner first, because he was more important to that defense as a whole. And Browner did get a lot of pass interference penalties. <laughs> I think he was a league leader in that, um, which I guess was what we wanted, big physical cornerback. But so the other Legion of Boom members, you got Cam Chancellor, one of the most versatile safeties in football, hard hitting, uh, made everyone regret crossing the center. Uh, then there was Earl Thomas, covered more ground than anybody as a free safety, easily. Uh, definitely covered some mistakes from other people. So we got him. And then you got Sherman, the the vocal leader, I guess, the loudest, biggest shit talker. Um, also one of the best cornerbacks in football for about seven years. Uh, maybe still, if you look at the stats from last year, he still had a very impressive year. And I think he's still one of the, the five or 10 best cornerbacks in the league. So I don't think there's a wrong answer to this unless you said Browner. Um, I have to go with Sherman though. And the reason I go Sherman is the only criticism on him is that he only played one side of the field. But why have him move around? He shut down that side of the field. I mean, he made the jobs of Chancellor and, and Thomas easier because they really didn't have to worry about covering his back. Um, and if you're not a Seahawks fan, or if you are, you may understand this, the feeling you got when you were watching and you saw the quarterback turn to his right and throw mid to deep, you honestly believed that there was just as good a chance that Sherman was going to catch the ball as the receiver he was guarding. I mean, now once in a while they'd throw those underneath short passes, but then that just gave Sherman a chance to show off his tackling skills. So I'd have to say, I mean, 
Sherman shutting down a, a third of the field <laughs> made everyone else's jobs easier. Gave the pass rush longer chance to get to the quarterback. Let Thomas, you know, keep more of an eye on the other side of the field. And at Chancer, he really didn't play deep very often at all. He got to play almost as like an extra linebacker. Um, so I really feel I have, to, I have to go Sherman on that one. So uh, look forward to hearing what you got to say on it, Jared, and uh, talk to you again. Okay, thanks, Matt, for that. Um, that was pass it to the homies. Uh, I got to say that my first thought is... I love your arguments. Um, I would probably say that, in my in my opinion, um, it's such a tough question. Really, um, they all contributed. Obviously, I think Chancellor was the leader um, overall. I think uh, Sherman. You're right; he shut down half the field more or less, so you didn't have to worry about that side, which kind of gave Earl Thomas free reign to do whatever he felt was uh, needed. Um, and then, and then Earl Thomas could cover so much of the field as well as, uh, he was kind of like, I'll show you what I can do rather than talk about it much. Uh, not the chancellor talked a lot, but I think behind the scenes, he talked a lot more and Earl Thomas didn't talk much behind the scenes even. So, <laughs> uh, it's, it's really a tough question. I, I don't know that there is a wrong answer. Um, I think that in my opinion, who contributed the most, uh, I guess you could say Sherman because you're right. He did like make everybody's job easier just as they did to him, but probably he did the most as far as making their jobs easier. Um, like giving, you know, nobody to even throw to his side anymore. So really Sherman, I mean, uh, Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor didn't have to even worry about that side of the field. You know, they they just knew they weren't going to throw it that way. So, uh, and if they did, more or less, he'd have them covered. Like, I mean, I can't remember too many times where he got beat. So, uh, I think that, that you're right. I think it is Sherman. Um, but, like I said, I don't think there's a wrong answer. And I think that they all contributed pretty seriously to the success over the time. Um, but... Yeah, it's a great conversation. If you if you're uh, if you would like to get involved and maybe if you want to do a pass it to the homies segment with me, uh, check out my Twitter. It's a uh, underscore Rain City Sports. Uh, get in contact with me. I can send you a question and you can uh, record a response, and then I'll react to it a little bit. So, um, additionally, I would say if you if you just have an opinion on this but you don't want to be recorded. Let me know. Let me know who was who was the most impactful. Um, tweet me or or you can contact me through the network page on Instagram, which is um, Northern State Podcasting. Uh, if you send a message through there, usually I'll get it. Um, I would just like to hear what you guys have to say, um, who you think was most impactful. And uh, yeah, it's a good conversation. Uh, now that now that everybody's gone, I mean, Chancellor's technically on the team, but you know. He's, he's not going to play anymore. Hopefully he becomes a coach. That's that's my hope, at least. Um, but, yeah, I think that's going to be just about it for this episode. Uh, there's a few little updates because uh, as I'm recording this portion of the episode, it is Sunday or Monday. Um, and so a few developments have happened. 
Uh, first off, the Huskies and the Gonzaga Bulldogs both lost in their conference championship games. Uh, the Huskies lost to Oregon and Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's, but both are in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, are the Huskies being a nine seed and Gonzaga Bulldogs being a one seed. So uh, lots of excitement there. The tournament gets underway Tuesday. And so we will be going live today um, through the network, YouTube, I think, um, possibly through the Fairweather Friends YouTube, one of the two. Um, but it's either Northern State Podcasting or for Fairweather Friends. And we will be doing our brackets. And you can also sign up to compete against us. Um, I did some research and found uh, some of the, the brackets that had the best prizes that probably wouldn't get as many people as maybe, uh, you know, like ESPN, which has a millions, millions upon millions of people. So I tried to find one more local that had prizes that you were more likely to win, I guess. So check that out. That's, you can go through the link. I'll put a link in the description, but also you could go through the network page. And I think there's a link in the bio of that, the network page of the, on Instagram, uh, that's Northern state podcasting. (laughs) I'll link that also in the bio or in the in the description. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. Uh, thanks guys for listening. I hope you have an awesome week. Hopefully we'll be pushing this not too out so far each time. Um, I've just been struggling a little bit, not with content, but with making everything stay up to date and also, you know, editing and all that stuff just a lot of things going on so we're going to keep going we're going to keep fighting and we're going to keep getting better so uh like i said thanks for listening uh check us out share like all that stuff review us let me know what you think like if there's something you'd do differently or you think more people would listen to um but i appreciate you listening have a great week